Welcome to the audio version of Bogard Press's Through the Bible Adult Study Guide. Being true to the word, Bogard Press has aided in the discipleship of thousands for over 100 years. Of those 100 years, the Through the Bible Adult Sunday School literature has been a staple to many. Join us as we listen to the Through the Bible Adult Study Guide with writer Brother Mark Clements. So grab your Bible and let's get started. The Yoke of Bondage from Exodus 1 and 2 Application The student will acknowledge that circumstances change, but God is always ready to deliver and provide for His people. Seeking the Context My papa served in the U.S. military in World War II and was captured as a prisoner of war in the Philippines. In his survival stories, he described clinging to life by whatever morsel of food he could find. He credits his survival to a persistent attitude of endurance, instead of riding the waves of emotion that would rise or fall from one day to the next. When he was finally set free, he had a sense of gratitude for life that escaped most civilians. Like the story of my papa, which inspired many people to appreciate the freedoms we enjoy in this country, the book of Exodus describes Israel's rescue from bondage in Egypt in order to showcase the beauty of deliverance from sin that Jesus Christ offers. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to warn them of the dangers of idolatry, he used the example of the Exodus in making his argument, 1 Corinthians 10:11. When God promised to make a great nation out of Abraham, he also told him what that journey would look like. God revealed to Abraham that his descendants would sojourn as strangers in a foreign land for over 400 years, would be afflicted as slaves, but would be delivered by God himself with many great possessions. Genesis 15, 13, and 14. Genesis ended with Abraham's great-grandson Joseph in a position of great influence in Egypt. By God's providence, His brother's actions of selling him into slavery actually ended up preserving Joseph and his entire extended family. The entire family of Israel, including what would become 12 different tribes, settled in Egypt and prospered greatly by God's design. The theme of the book of Exodus, written by Moses, is God's fulfillment of his promise to make a great nation of Abraham's descendants. Moses recorded God's guidance of his people through their oppression and in spite of their weakness and failures. God allowed the oppression of his people to set the stage for his miraculous deliverance of them. Today we will look at the bondage of God's people in Egypt. As time passed, beginning with Joseph's death, the oppression of God's people grew worse and worse. Freedom means so much more to those who are delivered from harsher circumstances. Through every trial, God's presence and providence remain constant. Why is it so important to understand how God's people were delivered from bondage? Searching the text. Number one, God's people are a threat to God's enemies. From Exodus 1 verses 6 through 12. And Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. 
Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Like football teams who meet on the field wearing different jerseys, God can easily identify who is on his side and who is against him. Sometimes we may think that there is no real battle between God and his enemies, or that, like a game, spiritual opponents only battle each other in periods of time. Spiritual warfare, however, is an ongoing reality for God and his children. The enemies of God never rest, because God is always working to carry out his will on the earth. Joseph and all his brothers enjoyed the rest of their days, being blessed by God with prosperity. Even after they passed away, the generation after them filled Egypt with worshipers of Jehovah. God truly blessed his people in a foreign land, and his enemies began to resist. By God's providence, Joseph had established a friendly relationship with the Pharaoh, and his entire family benefited. Joseph died, and Egypt transitioned to a new king who did not know Joseph or appreciate his leadership. This new leader proved himself to be against God and his people. Instead of seeking out Jehovah and attempting to bless God's people, the new Pharaoh became threatened by their presence and turned against them. The king had the opportunity to bless the immigrant community with protection and seek ways they could add to their country, but instead he was motivated by nationalistic bias and sought to mistreat them for no other reason than their ethnic identity. The king concerned himself with the possibility that he would get into a war with a foreign country and the children of Israel would join his enemies and attack Egypt from within. He preemptively solved this imagined threat by forcing the Jews into slavery. The children of Israel provided the king with a healthy workforce responsible for building entire cities. As they labored, however, the king noticed them not only maintaining their health but also increasing in size. His attempt to suppress the Jews had the opposite effect, causing him even more anxiety. The king should have realized at this point that there was something special about the children of Israel. He had history books at his disposal and plenty of opportunities to seek wisdom regarding Jehovah, but instead he chose to make decisions out of fear and pride. The king probably did not understand he was engaging in a spiritual battle he was destined to lose. The children of Israel, blessed by God himself, threatened the power of an evil ruler. Everywhere God's people went, they went with God's blessing and approval. It might be difficult to understand or recognize, but whenever God's people determine to follow him and represent him to the world, Satan stands to lose influence. Today, because of faith in Jesus Christ, Christians enjoy the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, this means wherever they go, the Holy Spirit goes. God's people have the awesome task of advancing God's kingdom. And when God's kingdom advances, Satan's kingdom retreats. 
This is why God's people represent an existential threat to those opposed to him. Be ready for war. Why do you think God's enemies are so threatened by God's people? Number two, God's enemies seek to oppress God's people. From Exodus 1.22 and Exodus 2.1-4. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Pharaoh noticed that simply placing the Israelites into forced labor did not have the effect he hoped it would have had. His goal was to damage the morale and inhibit the growth of the Jews by compelling them into slavery. But his actions had the opposite effect. God's people seemed to grow in strength and number in spite of their forced servitude, so Pharaoh increased his oppressive evil. Because he was primarily scared about the Israelite men joining foreign nations in battle against Egypt, the Pharaoh demanded that every baby boy born to a Jewish family be murdered. Girls could live, but boys must be thrown into the river to die. This despicable order violated the human dignity that God bestows upon everyone and illustrates the cowardice of his enemies. Why did the king not fight against the Jewish men except that it was easier to take life from babies? This detestable cowardice among those who hate God is still alive and well in the world today. Before Moses recorded the preservation of his own life in the middle of this oppression, he detailed the account of two heroic women named Shifra and Pua. Even though these midwives were ordered to kill all Hebrew baby boys they delivered, they chose to obey God instead of the king. Their courage in the face of oppression will be celebrated for the rest of time as a lesson in godly obedience. No matter who gives the order to defy God, his children should always stand firm in their convictions to please him first and foremost. Moses' own mother also acted in defiance to the king's wicked order. When she gave birth to Moses, she hid him as long as she could. After he was three months old, she made a waterproof basket, placed baby Moses inside it, and set him afloat along the banks of the river. This act was not a death sentence for Moses, though it still presented danger. Placing her baby in a floating basket was an act of desperate faith, that God would somehow look down kindly upon Moses and preserve his life. The enemies of God will always seek ways to suppress, harass, persecute, or even kill God's people. Since Satan's kingdom is always threatened by the advancement of God's kingdom, we should not be surprised when Satan attempts to hurt us at our weakest points. Like Moses' mother, we may find ourselves in seemingly hopeless situations tempted to give up, yield to our oppressors, or even violate God's laws in order to preserve our health and safety. Do not be surprised at the extreme wickedness to which you may be subjected. Trust the Lord, even in desperation. 
No danger may befall God's children that surprises God or that he cannot use for his own glory. When oppression comes because of your faith, let it serve to remind you that you are on God's side. Peter wrote that you should rejoice since you have been granted the opportunity to experience the suffering of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12-14 How do you observe Christians being oppressed or persecuted today? Number three, God makes a way for deliverance from bondage. From Exodus 2, verses 7-10 through 10. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. What must have seemed to Moses' mother like a desperate, last-ditch attempt to preserve his life actually demonstrated absolute trust in the Lord for Moses' life. While Moses floated in his basket along the river, his sister watched over him to see what would happen. She watched as the king's daughter noticed the crying baby, picked him up, and showed compassion for him. Pharaoh's daughter recognized immediately the baby was Jewish, and if she had been compliant with the law of the land, she should have returned Moses to the river to die. By God's guidance, Pharaoh's daughter decided to show pity on the baby. Once Moses' sister saw that Moses would be cared for, she courageously spoke to the princess. As a lower-class slave, it would have been highly inappropriate for Moses' sister to speak to royalty, but she found courage to speak up and offer to find a nurse for the baby. Pharaoh's daughter not only allowed Moses to be nursed by his own mother, but she also made sure the family had everything they needed for his health by offering financial support. Moses was welcomed into the royal family, named by the king's daughter, and treated as her son. This may read as a series of fortunate events, but that would deny God's sovereign hand of intervention. Children of God must remember there is no such thing as coincidence or luck. Just as Joseph reminded his brothers that their attempt to destroy him was used by God for their ultimate good, we must acknowledge that nothing happens outside God's ability to guide and accomplish his will. Genesis 50 verse 20. While baby Moses floated in a basket, God was with him. As Pharaoh's daughter arrived at the river, God guided her vision to see the baby. Moses' sister was compelled to speak to the princess by the conviction of God. Israel would be delivered by a leader like Moses because God provided deliverance. If God allows his children to be oppressed, we can be assured he has a reason for it and will ultimately provide salvation from it. The challenge for us is to trust him through the trials, looking for him to make a way of deliverance. The picture of an unlikely leader emerging from an oppressed people in order to fulfill God's plan for salvation is clearly seen in Moses, but also foreshadows the work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is God's plan to deliver his children from the bondage of sin by the leadership of Jesus. Never forget, God makes a way for deliverance, no matter how severe our bondage might be. 
Can you tell a story of how God made a way for deliverance in your life? Setting the application. We are in nonstop spiritual warfare. God's enemies hate him, and therefore they hate everyone who represents him. Satan and his followers seek to overthrow God and thwart his plans. When we faithfully follow God's plan for our lives, we set ourselves against his enemies, which opens us up to oppression. Oppression of God's people can take many different forms, such as hatred, loss of freedoms, persecution, and even death. When children of God face these difficulties, they should rejoice and count themselves blessed to endure for the cause of Christ and the glory of God. We rejoice in suffering because we know that God is in control of everything. When He allows pain or heartache to enter our lives, we know He does so for our own ultimate good. Difficulties make us appreciate God's goodness even more and compel us to look for His hand in deliverance. God offers salvation from sin by faith in His Son, which guarantees that no matter how painful our life on earth might be, we have a home in heaven awaiting us, prepared by Jesus himself. As we begin this journey through the book of Exodus, it is good to remember that this book, along with all the books of the Bible, ultimately points to Jesus Christ. The story of Moses delivering the children of Israel from bondage helps us to grasp the bigger story of God saving mankind through Jesus. We may pass through difficult trials and circumstances, but God always makes a way of salvation. If you have been saved, you have a story to tell others. If your story is centered on Jesus Christ, then you will be able to testify that it was not through chance or coincidence that you were delivered, but it was by God's mercy, grace, and providential hand that you were introduced to freedom. How can you live in a manner that demonstrates deliverance through Jesus. Thanks, Brother Mark, for sharing such great truth with us this week. Join us next week as we take another look at God's Word with Brother Mark. Don't forget to join us daily on our Through the Bible daily devotionals on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.